Think back for me. Do you remember your first set of pots and pans or cutlery for your first apartment or home? I certainly do. Wasn't that great? Let's get you an upgrade on this authentic avenue. Made In, a direct-to-consumer cookware brand that wants to raise a glass to raising your standards. On this episode, you'll meet their co-founders, Chip Malt and Jake Kalick. They may have founded this brand just a few years ago, but the story goes all the way back to 1929. And today, we'll learn how authenticity not only applies to products or speaking truthfully, but to generational development of your brand. What happens when it's so close to home, it's your family. We also talk about many of the ways in which Made In and its chef partners are contributing to the community and how combined philanthropy and a reversal of supply chain and partnerships makes for an authentic cookware brand. So look sharp and settle in as I get real with Made In through Chip Malt and Jake Kalick. All right, today we answer a very important question for anybody on any given day. In fact, several times a day, we say, what's cooking? And we do that with Chip and Jake from Maiden. Thanks very much for joining, guys. How you doing? Great. Thanks for having us. Doing well. Thank you. First thing I got to ask, when I ask about the founding story, of course, I ask most founders that. Um, something that confused me, actually, uh, you told me before and as I was reading, this whole journey started uh, around 1929. I was looking at your LinkedIn profiles, seeing you graduated college, or you know, roughly 10 years ago. Doesn't really add up. Can you explain for me? Yeah. Um, so, so this is this is Jake. Uh, my uh, grandfather started a business in 1929 uh, that was in the restaurant equipment and supply space. So uh, designed, built and outfitted um, at the time in 1929, it was, it was bars, bar rooms. Um, and over the decades, it, it kind of evolved into building and developing restaurants, hotels, hospitals, um, any commercial kitchens. Um, so both from a design and a supply uh, perspective. So um I spent my time in that business and and um, and learned a lot about wholesaling of restaurant tools and restaurant equipment. And we wholesaled for a lot of the big kitchen brands that we compete against now, whether it's All Clad or Maviel or La Crusette. So, yeah, uh, third generation family business. Um, have some pretty intimate knowledge of uh, of the restaurant equipment and supply space. I say that, of course, a bit tongue-in-cheek, but I, I am seriously curious about this because, you know, most of the folks that I speak to when I ask, you know, why, why did you found whatever it is, you know, normally it's a result of a personal experience that they had or they got the idea when they were at business school with somebody else and then they put it together and it was a side project of theirs and then it just blew up into something. Very rarely, in fact, I, this is probably the, the oldest running one that I've heard where it's like, well, actually... It's run in my, this has been developed generationally since the depression, essentially. That's the farthest back that I can think of, about 90 years worth. Um, and you mentioned it gives you all this knowledge about, you know, a number of industries, which makes for, an, I don't want to say easy because nothing's ever easy, but um, certainly a softer transition into Maiden. I want to learn all about what the business does, but uh, can we can we talk a little bit about this Grand A word. I do this a lot at the top of the show, but it's interesting here because you've got years and years and years of history. The word authenticity 
for most people, when I ask them, they, they mean like, well, it's just being as real as you can. Well, for you, it's like probably having something to do with like being original and be, having something to do with like the, the, the craftsman quality of things. So I'm just curious to get both of your takes on how you define that work. Can you help me with that? Yeah. I mean, for us, you know, when we started out in 2017 or really 2016, when we uh, had the idea and uh, Jake and I grew up together, we're best friends for almost 30 years now. I mean, literally preschool, um, you know, we really wanted to match that authenticity that you're mentioning here with Jake's family history in the business. You know, we, there wasn't really a, a, a product in the kitchen space where someone had an emotional attachment to. And when you look at the food space in general, you see people lusting over amazing ingredients from a local butcher that's beautifully marbled steak, or it's you know locally sourced and sourcing unbelievable recipes from Bon Appetit or an amazing um, kind of media channel. But when it came to the kitchen tool space, um, people would not even be able to name a brand that they cook the cook uh, the cook that they cook the food on. And you know when you look at Jake and his family history. Um, they are unbelievably emotionally attached to the space. They've been so emotionally attached to it that they've been in the space for almost a hundred years. And so, um, you know, just from the immediate genesis of that, of the brand and of made in, we wanted to make sure that everything we did kind of replicated and stayed true to, to Jake's family history. Got it. So it's much more than just, Oh, being real, being in the moment, you know, speaking truthfully. And of course, all of that is included, but it just seems much richer than that. Like there's more on the line. It's a it's a it's a family thing. It hits closer to home as a result, and over time, you've been able to carry that authenticity through both in the products that you have and the communications that you make. Which I'll talk about actually right now. Um, at least I'll start there because you founded this brand a couple of years ago, as you said. A lot of business these days, in fact, necessarily so in 2020, needs to get done in digital properties. And you told me in, in you told me in the pre-read, you claim to hate digitally native brands. Now you at the same time, I mean you gotta have a productive digital presence. Everybody does these days. So how do you put those two together? I understand why you might say it, of course, physical product expertise for so many years and now all these folks just think they can jump on Shopify and blow everybody out of the water. And so I, I get some of the skepticism, but can you can you explain your specific take here? Yeah. And obviously um you know, that was a little bit of uh, <laughs> a little bit of a, an overstatement, I think. But um, I guess our, our point here is, you know, exactly what you said. You know, when you see kind of the early adopters of the digital, digitally native movement, the Caspers of the world, the, the Tufts and Needles, um, you know, back in 2015, 2016, you know, brand was a real differentiator. And over the following five years, kind of brand branding agencies became probably one of the most popular places to be. And a bunch of people piled into the space and product actually took kind of a backseat to brand. And that is kind of exactly what we wanted to flip on its head, given Jake's family history and um, unbelievable in-depth knowledge of the cookware space. Is we wanted to be a product first company. We didn't want to have a flashy brand um, that you know had all the right marketing lines and had the perfect copywriter and our first 15 hires were kind of marketing hires. Um, what mattered to us most in our launch and still to this day is product, product, product first. And it needs to be top tier performance product. Um, and if we get that right, that everything else, the branding, the marketing, the customer retention, all these things that kind of digitally native VC-backed brands um, think and talk about, 
will fall into place. And that's something we carry through with us as we expanded from stainless clad to knives made by fifth generation knife makers to, um, you know, plateware made by a uh, hundred year old manufacturers in Stoke and Trent, England, where the best clay in the world comes from. It's always kind of a product centric first mentality here. And I think that is something that's absolutely lost in 2017, 2018, 2019, 2020 as kind of that proliferation of Shopify stores um, kind of come about. It tends to be at times a brand first story with a mediocre product on the back end. And, um, you know, I think we just want to try and separate ourselves from kind of how that entire global movement is being viewed. I mean, I would, I would say so. I mean, then I'm guessing, I'm guessing the word drop shipping grates against you because it's like, God, what this just means that they are manufacturing some cheap crap, marking it up five, six, seven X, whatever it is, and then taking two months to ship to you via boat. I mean, why, why do you think that's caught on so much? Just like the ease. And I, as part of that, how have, how has what you've heard from either consumers, investors, folks who are interested, partners of yours, uh, how does that prove to you that you're on the right path as opposed to taking that digitally native route? Well, I, I think what's important to kind of put into context is that when you talk about authenticity, like there's not a lot of things more authentic than like cooking a meal for yourself or for the people around you and, and just the process of doing that and, and the skills you acquire by doing that. So, you know, this is just a category that is super authentic. And we had the opportunity to continue to build a supply chain that was authentic by not just like taking my family history, but then figuring out like, okay, we're going to make cutlery, for example. Where is cutlery authentically rooted? And they've been making the best knives in the Western Hemisphere in Thiers, France for thousands of years. So we go there and the family businesses there have been making knives for five, six, seven generations. Um, it doesn't get more authentic than that. So for us, it's like now we continue to set the bar higher and higher to, to tie together just authenticity in an already authentic kind of category. Um, so for us, it's not about drop shipping and 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 streamlining a, a cool, well put together brand. To Chip's point, it's about being a product first company that just happens to you know attract its first customers digitally, um, and and it's a great way to do things now, and and we we embrace that. But at the end of the day, it's it's about um, it's about building product first and 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 finding the the right places to find those customers and and getting it to them the right the right way. So I want to speak about two of those things that you uh, you mentioned here next. Uh, you talked a little bit about supply chain. Uh, I think uh, maybe an answer go with this past one. And then also, of course, the customers. Um, specifically in the uh, realm of uh, flipping the script, broadly, uh, you claim to have done that with both the way in which you embark on partnerships and with regard to sustainability, the way that you've set up the supply chain. In fact, you claim to have sort of reverse engineered both. I- I'd love to hear those takes because... Um, I love a good flip of the universe story. Yeah. I mean, on the first part, on the partnership side, um, you know, we come from a space cookware in general, where I think the thought of a chef endorsement means one thing or historically has meant one thing, right? It's, um, you know, Rachel Ray wants to have her own line of cookware and it's made, you know, pop red and sold in Walmart. And it's kind of her just endorsement of the product for sure, right. the component. Um, you know, that was what was prevailing in the, in the market at that time and, and kind of still is. And for us, what we're really trying to do from Jake's background of 
having sold into amazing restaurants in the Northeast and across the country um, is create authentic, you know, bilateral partnerships with the chefs that we work with. If you go on our, on our brand and we say internally, we, you know, we sit at the, um, at the cross section of culinary and craftsmanship. Um, so making the best products in the world and then partnering with the best chefs in the world. Um, these chefs that we're working with, um, you know, they're buying for their restaurants. They're authentic customers of ours. They're outfitting their restaurants with made-in products. Um, and then we're finding a way to mutually and mutually beneficially uh, work together, whether it's us featuring them in a YouTube ad that screens their exposure. You know, they're an up-and-coming chef who's trying to just get their name out and fill and put butts in the seats of their restaurant. Um, or they have a specific initiative. We did a 14-week um, Instagram Live where we brought on different chefs every week during the, or every day during the pandemic um, where they could tout kind of what they Damn, were every day during 14 weeks. That's a ton of content. Yeah, Kudos. Exactly. I know. And that was a full team effort. I mean, we had everyone from kind of the CX um, agents to the head of marketing, to the supply chain team, all hosting chefs. So a full team effort. Um, but, you know, it was super important for them at that time because, uh, you know, they were all pushing merchandise or, or something when their restaurants were shut down and it was giving them use of our platform to help them out in the time that they needed. Um, and you don't really see that too much in, in the brand space in general, I mean, whether it's Nike and their athletes, et cetera, like um, we're really trying to to be just as good partners to our chefs and give them a platform to help carry their word as um, kind of they are able to endorse our products or um, you know, use our products. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask about the chefs in a second because, and first of all, like listeners, I do this podcast twice a week. It's a long time to get there. Like that's a huge content undertaking, and so I didn't even actually know that. Um, on, so good for you guys. Uh, something about the chefs I'm going to come back to. Can you speak briefly to the supply chain thing? Because I thought that was an interesting reversal as well. Yeah. Are you referring to the, the recycling program we're doing or how we build our supply chains? Yeah, totally. I be, So in terms of the way that you exactly return product and yes, this is basically, so I'm going to cut this. Yes, this is basically yeah, the recycling no. thing. So, so one of the interesting hurdles that we hypothesized and anecdotally and then kind of realized was a real issue is that, listen, most people need to upgrade their cookware, um, but it's a daunting task because you have these huge pots and pans in your kitchen that you feel kind of bad throwing out, right? Um, it seems like a pain in the butt. It's bad for the environment, all these different things. So, so you know props to our operation team and, and our supply chain team, because we came up with a really awesome idea to um, not only, you know, provide better cookware to our customers, but then we can also provide our customers with a return label when they take the box, our new cookware comes in and package up your old cookware and it sends it back. At first we were sending it back to our, to our factory and we were recycling it at metal at metal shops and at least it was better for the environment but then you know our ops team took it one step further and said there's actually better things we can do with this which is instead of sending it to be recycled at a metal factory let's send it back to habitat to habitat for humanity and we've built out a network of i think right now eight different habitat for humanity locations so depending on where you are in the country if you're returning your cookware after buying made in um it goes to one of these habitat for humanity restores and they can either recycle it um or they can sell it in their restore um, and the money that is generated in these restores go to help building Habitat for Humanity homes. So, I mean, the stats are like incredibly staggering in terms of like, A, the number of stuff we kept out of landfill, and then B, the, the dollars generated that have gone uh, 
towards Habitat for Humanity and building homes. So, so this concept that there was a hurdle that was preventing people from re feeling really comfortable upgrading their cookware. Um, it was a guilt thing. It was a logistics thing. And, and you know, um, Chad, Sarah, Walter, and our team, uh, they figured out a way to reverse engineer this um, and, and collect cookware and, and do good in the process. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, and, and I, just on your point on authenticity, like, um, you know, a lot of brands, the Toms of the world, um, et cetera, like that is also their marketing pitch. And, you know, this was something that was just an internal culture thing. Like we generally don't market this. Um, it's actually probably under marketed. Um, it's not part of our brand tenants, but, you know, it's something that internally uh, the supply chain team just felt very strongly about and went about themselves to develop this entire thing and present it to the team. And they're super excited about it. And so, um, you know, it, it's just cool because it's just um, absolutely derived from like just an authentic interest in both environmental impacts and, and social efforts. Yeah, I agree. That's such a fine line, by the way, to walk between the, hey, we do all this stuff for Habitat for Humanity and then going and megaphoning that to like LinkedIn, basically, or, or whoever, you know, might be interested in that. Um, because it's like, how much are you going to posture, especially when it comes to like, okay, how, how much do you want to spread that message? Some people put paid behind those sorts of messages and it's like, what are you investing in, you know, at the end of the day? So I'm glad that you're doing it and allow this to be a, albeit small megaphone for that sort of thing. It actually ties in really well to what I was going to ask on the chef's note, which is, uh, now I'm guessing inextricably linked to one of the avenues to authenticity that you carve. Uh, to use the pun, which is charitable efforts. And this year, I have seen that um, between, I guess, 2019 as well, but 2020 also, chefs doing a ton for providing for those in need impacted by the virus, impacted by the fact that they are out of work, that they're hungry, and that they need help. You have a number of things that you do on this philanthropy side, similar to what I've seen a number of chefs do. I'm here in the DC area. I hear a lot about Jose Andres, all right? So that's a big one, but you do yours as well. If we can extend the megaphone here for a moment, can you explain a little bit of that? Because I think that's super important. Yeah, I mean, when we launched the brand, we were unbelievably flattered on how chefs adopted us and really propelled our business forward. Um, everything from the first samples of product we got went straight to chef's hands that Jake knew to test to make sure it could withstand a commercial kitchen. Because in, in our eyes, if our products can withstand a commercial kitchen, you know, really heavy duty, beating up every day, going through commercial dishwashers every day, then they will be able to stand withstand 10 lifetimes of home use. And so, you know, for the first two years pre-pandemic, Chefs helped us develop products, helped us test products, uh, tested prototypes, tested samples, gave us feedback. We're just an unbelievably supportive community for us. And then obviously in uh, March of 2020, uh, everything kind of, as you said, <laughs> the script got flipped and um, you know they went through a really tough time and are still going through a really tough time. And um, it goes back to what I was talking about with these chefs in our eyes being authentic partners for us and not being just a pay-to-play endorser. Um, we were able to uh, take a bunch of in inventory of ours. Um, we raised, we sold it for 100% proceeds going to social, um, a social good cause called um, uh, Southern Smoke, which is an emergency relief fund 
for restaurant and hospitality workers in need. Um, raised over $30,000 in a week for them, um, which, you know, it's just an awesome cause. And I'm um, continuing to just uh, try and rely on um, helping the chefs through this tough time because they've helped us through our kind of infancy, which is amazing. And um, we've kept that ball rolling, um, did some other uh, events throughout the year, um, both virtual and actually in person in, in Texas. Um, but then up and coming here with uh, Giving Tuesday, we're going down on these efforts. Tom Colicchio, who was really the first major chef to adopt our brand um, and to be a real partner of ours. He's the, if you don't know him, he's the uh, the guy on Top Chef, the main judge who, that's how he's most famous, but obviously a great restaurant in himself, um, he's offered to give a private um, group class to uh, maiden customers, a cooking class um, for the holidays to anyone who purchases on Giving Tuesday. And that will be um, something that we offer at Upsell at checkout. Um, you know, it's going to be completely reasonably priced, but again, 100% of those proceeds will go to saving restaurants and helping the restaurant industry. Um, so again, it's like we talk about authentic avenue, and you know, this is an industry that um, has been unbelievably, unbelievably amazing to us. Um, and now it's kind of our turn to repay all, all the favors they've done for us and, and help them out. Yeah. And Adam, I would just add that, like, to your point, you see these chefs being front and center for so many huge causes, whether it's COVID-19 or anytime there's a natural disaster, it's like chefs like Chef Andreas and all these chefs are the first people to like get out there and cook for people. And so I think it just puts things into perspective with what's going on now with these restaurant closures, like, you know, what a lot, I think what a lot of these chefs are feeling is whenever there's a natural disaster, chefs are like the first people there to help and pitch in and not ask for anything. Um, but now that like these restaurants kind of are on the line and, uh, you know, they need help. And I think, you know, me as an outsider looking in, I feel like, you know, chefs are getting a little screwed with everything, right? It's like, you know, they're always expected to be relied upon in natural disasters. But now that when they need support most, you know, people need to step up and support their local restaurants and do takeout. And I think government has to step up as well. Sure. Yeah. I mean, that's all, it all adds up and I'm glad that you're doing your part. Of course, I'm glad those chefs are doing their part. Hopefully our community and and your community can do their part as well. I want to round out with some, uh, asking for some advice because it is clear that you have figured out your ways to contribute to the community, to define authenticity, to operationalize that authenticity and reflect it outwards. And you've been figuring it out for the last 90 years. So with that rich history of figuring it out, I got to ask on behalf of our listeners, many of whom are prospective founders or brand builders of their own, how should they begin to think about the ways in which they carve their own avenues to authenticity if they cannot rely on, say, the power of food to do so? Yeah, I think, I mean, we get this question a lot from prospective founders of advice, um, how to navigate the first few years, which are obviously the, the hardest as you try and find product market fit and as you try and find kind of your voice and place in the industry. I mean, our biggest advice to them, or at least mine, um, I won't speak for Jake, is, you know, the if you're passionate about it, you're going to be spending seven days a week, 24 hours a day thinking about it analyzing the data, um, knowing everything about your business. Um, I think the places we got into trouble were when we started to take too much kind of opinions and advice from people who haven't been spending that much time looking at it. Um, So I would say just trust your gut. Um, If you're passionate about something, you know more about it than the person you're probably seeking information from and and just double down on on your passion and and what you know. Yeah. And I would just just add that I think we've realized that you know, good, authentic brands, the ones we respect um, and and look up to um, 
they continue to evolve, right? And and I think, you know, we realize that Maiden has evolved for the better so much over the last three years. And um, I think there's, you know, a bit of a pressure to like launch perfectly and get everything right from the get-go and just <laughs> steer your course and never change from being correct at the get-go. But like at the end of the day, like you're going to make mistakes early and just being authentic in a brand means like evolving and getting better and, um, and, and running with it. Um, so I think, I think we've learned that and embraced the fact that we're, we're always getting better. You're always getting better. And, and hopefully listeners after this, uh, you'll find yourself figuring out how to get a little bit better. And though you may be 89 to 90 years behind, my guess is that you can use the standard set here to, uh, to get started a little bit. Um, I really appreciate learning more from you both. And so, uh, you know, keep, keep doing what you're doing. I can't wait to see what you're going to do, especially through this holiday season. Um, and thanks for making the community a little bit better again, uh, Chip Malt and Jake Kalick. Thanks very much for joining the show. Thanks, Adam. Thanks, Adam. I'm reminded as I listen to this interview that I need to get a new knife. Maybe you do too. It's more than just sharpening. Sometimes you just need a new set. Thanks, Chip and Jake, and thanks to you, the listener, for tuning in to today's show. Be sure to review this on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Subscribe, of course, and follow me on social media. All right, I'm here on LinkedIn, Authentic Avenue, and Adam Connor personally. I'm hanging around on TikTok as well, at Authentic Adam, doing some fun things there. And then also by email, of course, adam at AuthenticAvenueMedia.com. Reach out, say hello, recommend a guest, do whatever you feel. This has been your host, Adam Connor, saying until I get real again with you, Thanks for taking a walk with me down Authentic Avenue.